Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Good. Some of you were wondering. They said, oh, I missed you last week. I said, good. It's good to be missed. However, I was asked specifically by a pastor of uh, one of our area churches in Southwick, Massachusetts to come as a former missionary and to share with the church during missions month. We had a beautiful Sunday as I challenged the congregation to be more supportive toward missions. Last year, uh, the congregation um, probably in total fills about three rows here. Um, I'm telling you that for good reason. Last year for the cause of missions, they had raised $18,000, which is a lot for three pews. After I left the Sunday morning service, they had already raised $22,000 that Sunday for the cause of missions. I am thankful for the heartbeat of God when it comes to missions. Even though we have Christmas decoration up, Advent is not until next Sunday, I get one last missions Sunday with you guys. And I'm going to tell you to fasten your seatbelt because you are getting a missions-oriented message unapologetically, because I believe in the cause of missions. I believe in the cause of missions locally, and I believe in the cause of missions internationally. There are many things that are being said about missions in the modern church movement. Missions is radicalization, missions is colonization, missions is all kinds of negative things. However, when I ministered among the Dutch people, they would say the following to me. God brought you here to say things to us with your accent so that it would hit our hearts in a different way than a native speaker. Come on. God used my jokes. He used me mispronouncing words and saying crazy things to get people to laugh at parts of the sermon that were not intended to be funny. But God worked in that way to touch people's hearts. The cause of missions is still important. And Bethel, New England, from the very inception of this congregation, has believed in heart and soul in the cause of missions. Before our first pastor, Pastor Harold Heidel, was even paid a salary to be the pastor, the church was already giving to the cause of missions on a monthly basis, giving what would be his full-time salary to the cause of missions. That is so ingrained and embedded in our heartbeat. When I came throughout the years as a missionary to Bethel, New England, this was a body of people that loved and supported my wife and I in the mission of God in many ways, shapes, and forms. Whether it was through prayer, giving, or just showing interest, Bethel has always shown that it is a church that knows how to arrive to the plate when it comes to the cause of missions. And so today, I want to give you a few friendly reminders so that Bethel, New England can remain all that it needs to be to support the cause of missions all over the world. Today, the title of the sermon is, When Missions Fail. 
It's going to be a little bit of a hard topic to address, but I want to bring you into the life of a real missionary. That's me. Hi. Even though I'm your pastor and you're getting used to me being re-Americanized, I lived in another country, spoke another language, did things completely differently for 15 years of my life. And like Schwarzenegger and Terminator, I'll be back. I'm back. God brought us back to New England because of the need among the churches of New England. As we were seeing Dutch people and Dutch leaders come to faith and rise up for the cause of God, becoming missionaries and preachers and serving in the workforce, starting businesses and nonprofit organizations, writing books and becoming authors, as the church began to grow and burgeon, every time I came back to New England, I thought, oh my gosh, something needs to be done at home. If I stay here in Holland and I don't return back to New England, Something is going to happen, and it's not going to be good. However, I'm grateful for this body that knows how to respond to the voice of the Lord in every season. And so today, I want to help you turn it up a notch. Today, I want to help you light that fire even brighter so that the message of our crucified and risen Savior will be known in all the earth. In our movement, we have an emphasis. We constantly place the emphasis in the Pentecostal movement on going. Go into all the world, make disciples, go tell it on the mountain. Go, 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 go is the mantra that we hear. It is a mantra of action and moving and doing something for God. There's this radical demand that we read about from Jesus that needs to be counteracted with radical decisions like leave your home, leave your family, leave the security of your daily life, and follow Jesus wherever he is sending you. That is the message of Jesus. That is the message of the Pentecostal movement. That is the message that was baked into me from a young age. I have to say, when I hear news reports of people that become radicalized for, excuse me, because of different religions, I realize, and I have to open this water desperately so I don't sound like Kermit the Frog. is that I realized that at a young age, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, I became radicalized for the cause of Christ. And that radicalization does not lead to demonstrative efforts of aggression, hate, crime, weirdness. It leads to an expression of the love of Jesus for all kinds of people. People that I'm not familiar with and people that I'm not comfortable with. And so my life has always stood in the notion of Jesus. Whatever it is that you're asking of me, I am willing to do for you. And I responded to those songs, and I responded to those messages. And then one day I woke up and realized I was responding, but not everyone was responding with me. I was becoming radical for the cause of Christ, but the people around me were apathetic to that cause. See, radically following Jesus, radically serving as a missionary, also requires a radical support and radical security and care 
from the body of Christ. No one can go and do the work of God unless the local body sends them and is also willing to receive them back and support them. We see this in the work of Paul. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit on the He was touched by Jesus on the road to Damascus and filled a few days later with the Holy Spirit. He spent about three years tucked away until he finally came out of isolation and began to reach the Gentiles for Jesus throughout the Roman Empire. The early church was afraid of this guy. He used to persecute Christians as a zealous Jewish follower of the law. He had an encounter with Jesus that transformed him, that he was willing to give his all to follow Jesus to the ends of the known world that he was in. And in 2 Corinthians, as he writes to the church, he gives them a window into the heartbeat of one that has given their all to follow Jesus. He says, in Macedonia, our body had no rest at all, but we were troubled in every way. Struggles from the outside, fears from within, but God who encourages the downhearted encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. We were encouraged not only by his arrival, but also by the encouragement you gave him. As he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your deep concern for me, so that I rejoiced more than ever." Paul was a powerful man of God. When we think about missions, when we think about spreading the kingdom of God, Paul is the man that comes to mind. Oh Lord, let me be as powerful as Paul was. Let me do the things that he did. He knew how to bring Jesus in the deepest, darkest places. And many missionaries that Bethel New England supports, they go in that same anointing. That same anointing that Paul had from Jesus, our missionaries have as well. But that anointing also rests upon each and every one of you. But I want to make it clear this morning that every missionary that we support, they are not an island unto themselves. They need the connection of the local churches that support them to help them thrive and fulfill their calling to go. Even the strongest and quote-unquote most powerful people need care, support, and encouragement. I want us to lock that into our hearts this morning. I want you to realize that people that you see doing great and mighty things for God, they need your support more now than ever before. In case you haven't realized, the ministry has its ups and downs. I think it's one of the funniest things that people say to me sometimes. Have you ever had a real job? I'm like, do you really want me to answer that? And yes, just for your information, I did have a real job. This is worse than those jobs sometimes. Because there was not, unless I put the spiritual component in my secular job, it wasn't there. If I had to make hard decisions, no one cared. When it comes to a church, it is a body that feels It is a body that sees eternalness in people. Those are heavy things. 
Ministry sometimes is burdensome because it has to do with people, God's people, people that were made in his image, people that he loves. That is not something to be taken lightly. And sometimes the biggest problems in ministry are not external issues. They are internal issues with fellow believers. And I can honestly tell you that most of our missionaries that we support, when I talk to them, I tell them, you can tell me the truth. What are the toughest things that you deal with? The toughest obstacles are not uh, blatant witchcraft or Satanism. The obstacles are not the bureaucratic government that they're dealing with. Sometimes their biggest issue are fellow missionaries that are jealous, envious, backbiting, and hurtful. Come on. These are real things. Sometimes after laboring and serving God and always being the one to sacrifice over and over again, it gets tiring. You want to be refreshed. You want people to pour back into you. And so Paul explains this, that he's not just an island unto himself. He needs the love and care of the support of the church in Macedonia, of the church in Corinth. And you know what they're doing? The church in Corinth is running their mouth about Paul. They're saying, oh, you're not one of those super apostles, buddy. And when you speak to us, because you speak multiple languages, you stutter, you use the wrong idioms, and we can't really understand you in any of the three languages you speak. You're not a super-duper preacher. And Paul says, okay, I might not come to you with the power of words, but I come to you with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Paul, in reaching the Roman world for Christ, he had to put up with a lot of malarkey. Realize that if the call of God is on your life, if he calls you to reach New England and to reach your neighbor, if he calls you to reach people overseas, whatever he is calling you to do, there is going to be struggle in that. And instead of people around you critiquing you, because there are people that feel like that is their gift of the spirit, they say they have the gift of discernment. No, you have the gift of discouragement. There is a genuine gift of encouragement. There is a genuine gift that supports the body of Christ to be all that it can be. And our missionaries need this support. We need this support. As I talked about it, being a missionary means being radical, being willing to give up and leave everything that you have for the cause of Christ. So how do we, as the local body, respond to that to offer support in every season? The first thing that we can offer is radical care. Do you believe in a God who cares for you? Do you? Do you pray and know that God answers you? Do you pray and see God meet your needs? Good, 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 good. I'm glad we're getting the memo. Do you pray for your family and friends? Do you pray that God takes care of them too? Good. I need you to adopt our missionaries. I need you to think of them as members of your family, and I need you to pray for them in the same way that you pray for people that are beloved to you. And if you have not learned yet to pray for others, and you only know how to pray for you, good. Learn how to pray for a missionary with the same passion that you pray for your own life, because they need your care. Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, 
is talking about Epaphroditus who was very valuable to him in the work of the ministry. Things were not going the greatest in Philippi. The people were suffering and they were poor, yet they were very generous and servant-like in their attitudes toward the cause of Christ. And so they represent a radical care. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 through 30, we get a window into the radical care offered by the church in Philippi to Paul and all of his cronies. He says, My brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to me in my need. Indeed, he greatly missed all of you and was distressed because you heard that he had been ill. In fact, he became so ill that he nearly died, but God showed mercy to him, and not only to him, but also to me, so that I would not have grief on top of grief. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you can rejoice, and I can be free from anxiety. So welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, since it was because of the work of Christ that he almost died. He risked his life so that he could make up for your inability to serve me. Yikes. When Paul is talking about Epaphroditus to the church in Philippi, they kind of had a little bit of a mentality of superiority. Well, Paul's like the real missionary in Epaphroditus. He's just one of his helpers. But Paul wanted the church in Philippi to realize that he could not do the work alone. Do you know that there are no superstars in the kingdom of God? There is only one great and morning star, and that is Jesus. Other than that, we are all stars together. And so Paul was a team player. Paul loved the team. He worked with men and with women. He worked with Jews and Gentiles. He worked with rich and with poor to spread the cause of the gospel. And Epaphroditus was one of those people out of many that it was extremely important. And he said, when you see him, honor him. Welcome him. He is an extension of the very work that you should be doing, but you're not. As I started this month off with Missions Month, I told you, don't go. Why? Because the reality of missions is that many people feel a call to missions and they don't go. There are those that do go and they don't make it on the mission field because problems, cares, concerns, valid things within their family begin to weigh them down and they succumb to the pressure and the pain of missions life. But they do something that we can't do. And so when we see them, our objective should be to welcome them, to honor them, to love on them and show them that radical care that Christ desires for them to have. Now part of the philosophy of Bethel, New England throughout the history of me knowing the church is that there is an unspoken but spoken rule that any missionary that comes here needs to be treated like they're one of the pastors of the church. That if they need anything, we're attentive to their needs. If they need anything while they're in the building, that they're able to utilize the building. If they need to print, if they need gas, you've got to ask them, some missionaries sometimes, do you have enough gas in your car to even get home today? 
People don't think about those things. Christmas is coming. Do you have gifts for your kids? Are you able to afford those things? They don't cry poverty in front of you. But most of the time, by the time they get to the field and they have raised 100% of their budget, within the first three months of being on the field, their budget already decreases by 30%. People in churches that pledged and said, I will help you, drop off like no one's business. And every year they use percentages. So by the time after serving four to five years on the field, they are down sometimes to only 30% of their original 100% of supporters. When a missionary returns home from the field, they need our care and our love more than ever before. Amy Carmichael, the famous missionary, said the following, it is more important that you should know about the reverses than about the successes of the war. She's talking about being a missionary. It's like being on a battlefield. She said, shall we have all eternity to celebrate the victory, but we only have a few hours before sunset in which to win them. We are not winning them as we should because the fact of the reverses is so little realized that the needed reinforcements are not forthcoming as they would be in the position where we thoroughly understood. So we have tried to tell you the truth, an interesting and unromantic truth. There are missionaries that we support as Bethel, New England that are in an anonymous place. There are no Christians on the island nation that they serve. It is Muslim to the core. For 10 years they labored without anyone coming to Christ. When we were at a minister's get-together, they were lamenting. It's been 10 years, like we haven't seen anything. They felt defeated and they felt discouraged. And my wife and I, along with others, we sat next to them and we encouraged them and we said, wow, there is something special about you guys to keep going even after 10 years where other people would quit, where other people would get up, where other people would throw in the towel and say, it is not worth it. Realize they are raising their kids in a culture that is completely Muslim culture. There is nothing American, there is nothing Christian about the world in which they live. And that's where they're raising their family. And while we were away at the conference, they got a lovely call, which on the one end is good, on the other end is kind of like bitter news, that their first convert came to Christ while they were away. So on the one end, they were excited, but on the other end, after 10 years of hard labor, they did not get to see the immediate fruit of their ministry. Now, when they went home, they got to see that. And that caused a ripple effect. And as Amy Carmichael says, when you are in the middle of battle for the sake of the kingdom of God, there are a lot of uneasy, uninteresting things that are going on. People want to know about the stories of victory, but there's a lot of defeat that goes into it. And so the care of the church becomes necessary. How to care for missionaries is part of the call that we have as a local church. The next area that we can radically do is support, and I'm talking about financial support. 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 through 16, we see that the poor church of Philippi was radical in their giving. They said, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news, and then I traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. In many of the rich areas, as Paul was spreading the kingdom of God, he did not take a salary. People felt like if they paid him, then they owned him. So he said, I'm not going to take a pay. I'm going to be a tent maker. And so he made tents on the side and preached Jesus on nights and weekends. He worked with a couple that had a great tent business called Aquila and Priscilla. They were very good in their profession, and they traveled around making tents with him. The churches that were rich and wealthy barely lifted a finger to support the ministry of Paul, but the church in Philippi that was needy and hungry and suffering, they reached out multiple times to give to Paul and his ministry. And he uses them as an example. He says to the church in Corinth at one time after they took up a really bad offering for the church in Jerusalem, he said, hey, and I preached on this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And the church in Philippi realized that even though they were poor, they were rich because they knew Jesus. And they were willing to give all that they had repeatedly to the cause and to the mission of Christ. Martin Luther understood how important it was to offer radical financial support to the work of God. He said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. I'll repeat that again. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. In case you're not understanding the English there, it cost zip, zero, zilch, nada. It's worth zero, zip, zilch, nada. Nothing, nothing. What's the Greek for that? Nothing. Nothing. When missionaries come, they're not asking you to support them for their vacation. I remember people saying that when I served over in the Netherlands. We had really dear friends. And again, there were people that really supported us and there were people that weren't. But we literally, my wife and I had people say to us, we are not going to support you because you live in a country we would want to live in. Thank you. We're not going to support you because when you take vacation, you go on vacation in Europe. Like, I'm very sorry. Like, I'm not in the United States. We're in Connecticut. So when we cross the border, we go into Rhode Island. If those were not marked, you really couldn't tell the difference of what state you were in. However, in Europe, because of the geographical difference, just by crossing a border that's 45 minutes away, it lands you in another country with another language, other architecture, and another language. Sorry, there's nothing I can do about that. All I did, I drove 45 minutes. And people would say, no, we don't want to support you. When you go on vacation, you get to go to Germany. It's 45 minutes away. It's like me begrudging you a trip to Cape Cod. It's like me begrudging you a trip to the beaches in Westerly that you so love. 
Those are called the drowning beaches, by the way, for people in Connecticut. You take your family there so they can drown. That, that's what Rhode Islanders say. Yes, we have other beaches that are milder that we go to that you don't know about, that you know not of. <laughs> Be willing to support the cause of missions. These missionaries have left their family so that other people's families could be with them forever in heaven. And the last area this morning is offering radical encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 17, it says, I was glad about the arrival of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Accius because they have supplied the fellowship with you that I lacked. For they refreshed my spirit in yours. So then recognize people like this. Do you realize when people are laboring for the cause of God, they need encouragement. And I'm going to say it's not only people out there, but your brothers and sisters right in here. A good dose of encouragement. I remember throughout my years in ministry, people would always say to me, I grew up in a mindset and with people in my life that were always very encouraging. They would say nice things to you. They would compliment you and they meant it. And then over the years, people would say to me, oh, that's just flattery. You're just trying to flatter me. No, I'm not trying to flatter you. I have my wife. I'm not trying to date you here. I'm encouraging you. And encouragement is something that is completely different. And the body of Christ needs encouragement. And there were these guys that arrived on the scene in Corinth that when they arrived, they encouraged Paul and all of his team in the work of the ministry. I pray that you would realize that even if you never serve on the foreign field, that you and your family can be an encouragement to missionaries from all over the world. Now, I don't know about all of you, and I can say this this morning and say it in true gratefulness, but throughout all the years of my ministry from 17 to 42 years old, one family in this church has been good to my family all along the way. This morning, John, I want to thank you and your family. You and Donna and the girls have always offering love, support, seeing if we needed a place to stay, food to eat. Is everything okay with you guys? Offering a fun time at your home when we got there. Lighting a bonfire in true New England style. Making sure we could ride on RVs in the yard. People like John and many others are invaluable to missionaries. Just to feel like you're at home. Just to be refreshed because your spirit and your soul need refreshing. The kingdom of God, missionaries need people like each and every one of you. And many of you are loves. After service, the way you greet our missionaries and sit with them and have coffee with them. But I want to invite you to open your life up even more to the needs that are present there. John Stott said the following, we must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. I don't know what happened when you woke up this morning, but just an FYI, God is not only American. Come on. The God of the Bible, um, guess what? He's Israeli. 
He's Palestinian. The God of the Bible is Turkish, and he's Armenian. The God of the Bible is Russian and Ukrainian. The God of the Bible transcends every nation because every person, every tribe, tongue, and nation has been made in his image. And there is this radical call of God that all nations be blessed through his son, Jesus. Jesus expressed the very passion of his calling for all nations. And it is up to us as Christians to not only be good American citizens, but to be well-versed, well-knowledged American citizens who understand the dynamics of God all over the globe. See, we are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of heaven. The geopolitical systems of this world are going to try to get you and I caught up on whose side of the story we are on. I love when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joshua in the Old Testament as he was about to go in the land of Canaan. Joshua said to the angel as he's about to start his campaign to take over the promised land, he says to the angel, whose side are you on? He says, neither. Neither. We got so caught up. In order to be those global people that God desires for us to be, we need to feel the heartbeat of God for every tribe, tongue, and nation. See, there are bleeding hearts, but those bleeding hearts are based on the newest media reports. I say to Christians as believers, get well-versed in the goings-on of this world, every nation. Pray for terrorist nations. Pray for people, your enemies that don't deserve it. Support them. Let God do his work. I've had friends as missionaries that have worked in countries that the United States absolutely hates. But my friends have ministered there with complete love and devotion, caring for practical, spiritual, and emotional needs of the enemies of the United States. See, in John, Jesus expresses the deep desire of the psalmist for God's house. He says that it be a place of prayer for all nations. See, the heart and passion of Jesus is missional in nature, purpose, and desire. This morning, in conclusion, I want you to realize that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to Jesus, who wants to be close to Jesus. All right, this is not going to tickle your little heart today. It's not going to make you feel the goosebumps that we like to feel. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. It's not about my heart it's not about my life, my dreams, and my desires. My heart has to become the heartbeat of Jesus that responds to his heartbeat and purpose for every people, for every missionary, with radical care, radical support, and radical encouragement. This is the last Sunday of Missions Month. I want to encourage you this morning that in the pews in front of you, 
you'll see faith promise cards. And we have them in Spanish and English. So if you need another language, let me know. I'll see if I can get it for you. This card is what we need. This shows how you desire to support missions on a monthly basis. This morning, it's not only about the money for the missionaries, it is about supporting them and caring for them and encouraging them. I want you to realize that. Realize this piece of paper is not just a piece of paper you can fling anywhere. It belongs, I would say, in your Bible, but nowadays most Christians don't even read the Bible. Yeah, you can take that out. I'm going to say put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Put it on your kitchen if you even cook at home. Put it in your rearview mirror. Hang it there so that when you look at it and get angry with people, you realize there are missionaries that need your help and support. It might help you in traffic. I need you to fill this in. And the reason I need you to do it is because our missionaries need our support more now than ever before. Your monthly giving does things that you couldn't even imagine. We serve missionaries that help young ladies not have to go into prostitution in certain parts of this world just by giving their family basic needs. The BGMC money that you raised with the help of our children, that $4,000 is being matched by another $4,000. That will be $8,000. Where water buffaloes are being purchased for families so that they do not have to go into despair. Families in Eastern Europe, families in Asia, they go into despair and they sell their children into slavery. And even worse, in some cases, sexual slavery. How much is that life worth? Recently, when I was doing studies, I found out that 17 million children between the ages of 5 and 17 live in garbage dumps all over the world. I have missionary friends that live next to those garbage dumps and minister, feed, and clothe those children and teach them skills so that they can live a life away from the toxic poisons that are emitted there and live a healthy, productive, and successful life. When you give to missions, you are not just giving to someone on a piece of paper. You are giving to the lives of countless numbers of people all over this world who are being transformed not only by the gospel of Jesus, but by the skills and the love and the care that they receive from our missionaries. This morning as you exit, our ushers will be available with buckets. You can detach, as I said, this part of the card that you're going to fill out, and I'm going to hold you to it in 2024. And this next little one, I need you to keep this one. This is your reminder of your faith promise. Bethel, New England, on average, gives about 40-something thousand to missions. Can I do a little bit of math for you today? The church I was in on Sunday morning, this was 22,000. That means that this should be what? 44,000. That means that this should be what? 66,000. That means that this should be 88,000. Should I keep going? Bethel, New England, I thought you've done great over the years, but I'm going to be honest with you. 
Our missions budget at $40,000 a year is not enough anymore. Everything you give for the cause of Christ is utilized for the majesty and the glory of Jesus. Let's stand with one another this morning. As we conclude today, yes, it's the faith promise card. There's a little bit of a side note here. Two things. For the actors that are present, I need to see you at 1145 downstairs for our practice today. If you are one of the angels, I need to see you too. Another thing that's necessary is that if you need prayer for anything this morning, but specifically for healing in your body, I'm going to ask the altar team to come. As we prayed for the service today, I know the service isn't in that direction, but I know that the Lord is here to touch your body today. If you are sick in your body and you need prayer, after I close in prayer, I encourage you, come to these altars today as our altar team was praying today. We felt the leading of the Spirit to pray and lay hands on the sick this morning that God would touch them in their body and that they would be made well. I need you to do something for me this morning as we conclude. I need you to just take your faith promise card. If you've already filled one out and handed it in, thank you for that. If you haven't, and you need to, just hold it up this morning and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help this morning for the cause of missions. I need you to give me all that I need so that I can be a support, so that my life is no longer about me and the needs of my family. Lord, I pray that my heart would shift in a new direction for 2024. I pray that before the calendar year is out, that I would not increase my standard of living, but increase my standard of giving. Lord, I pray that for every faith promise card that is filled out, I pray your blessings upon each and every person as they give to a cause that is greater than the mundane of our daily life. Lord, bless every giver and help them fulfill this promise that they're making today to serve you. Lord, we pray for anyone that is sick in their mind or in their body. We pray that you touch them today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would do a work within these people that only you can do. And so we ask your presence to be released over them today. For those that are watching online that are sick in their body, touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that sickness and disease would flee in Jesus' name. And that healing would come upon you. Lord, we thank you that your healing power is present with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.